I was from the beginning, and yet I'm not a sin. Many people follow me, although I'm not their friend. Who am I? I was from the beginning, and yet I'm not a sin. Many people follow me, although I'm not their friend. Who am I? Temptation. The Scripture tells us that in the beginning, sin entered into the world. Sin was not here. It entered into the world. It had to have a portal. It had to have a vessel. It had to have a conduit to, to come into the world. And you know the story of Adam and Eve and the whole story of temptation. Temptation was from the beginning. And temptation is not a sin. And though many people have followed temptation, temptation will never be your friend. We're in a temptation series. Pastor Jack kicked off the first, uh, first sermon uh, last Sunday. And today we're going to be sharing some things with you to kind of help you understand a little bit about, because I think there's some misconceptions, and I think there are people who live under this guilt and this misconception of what temptation is all about. But basically, temptation is the enticement of our God-given desires to go beyond our God-given limits. Simple as that. Temptation is the enticement of our God-given desires to go beyond our God-given limits. Temptation is no respecter of person. It comes to the young, it comes to the middle age, it comes to the elderly, it comes to the married, it comes to the divorced, it comes to the single. It, temptation has always been and always will be, and if you will stay with me this morning, I think we're going to be able to unpack some things because some of you may have already checked out on me because you know that you have never been tempted by sex, drugs, and alcohol. So I might as well just tune him out and get out my phone and do some texting because this doesn't apply to me. Aren't you in for a treat? <laughs> Little boy went to the grocery store and it's a small country grocery store and as he walked in, there were several baskets of candy on display. The grocer, that's, that's his marketing tool. So several bags of candy and the little boy walked over and he just stood there looking at the candy. And the grocer came over and he said, son, what are you doing? And the little boy goes, nothing. And the grocer says, doesn't look like nothing to me. It looks like you were trying to steal some candy. And the little boy said, mister, you're wrong. I was trying not to. That's temptation. So whether we're young, whether we're elderly, whether we're single, whether we're married, the wife wanted her husband to go with her shopping, 
And reluctantly he did, and they're in the mall, and they're in a store close to the, the front window, and they're looking at some articles, and this young, beautiful lady in a form-fitting dress came walking by the window. And she caught the eye of the husband, and his eyes followed her all the way down the mall, all the way. And the wife, looking at the items she had in her hand, never looked up. She simply said, was it worth the trouble you're in? <laughs> Temptation. So maybe we are confused because we interchange the word trial and temptation, and we don't have time to unpack this whole thing. It's, it's like any, if, if pastors have ever preached a sermon, you know every, for every sermon you preach, there's 20 in there that you could preach. But just for clarity's sake and some basic information, sometimes we interchange trial and temptation. And how do we know the difference? How do we know what is and what isn't a trial and what is or what isn't a temptation. Basically, a trial is something that comes our way and God even not only allows a trial, but sometimes He will bring a trial. But the purpose of the trial is to grow us and strengthen us in Christ. A temptation, the only purpose of a temptation is to distance us from God and to destroy us. So when we think about this whole concept of temptation, it's something that we will have to live with all the rest of our life. And one of the things that we want to bring to your attention today is this. All temptation is common to man. I believe we have a scripture up on the screen that I'd like for you to take a look at. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus being our high priest and says that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities or, be, or, or sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have a high priest who has been tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. I don't use a lot of King James, but I, I, I like the King James because the King James in this verse says he was tempted in all points, not in all ways. Because we look back on the life of Christ and we're wondering, well, Jesus was never tipped in with internet pornography. And he was never tempted with robbing banks, and he was never tempted. So, so how can the Bible say he was tempted in all the ways that we are tempted? 
Well, if you'll stay with me, I'm going to show you in a few moments that we have spent our time focusing on details when God focuses on categories. And back in the day of Jesus, I'm not so sure that they were tempted with shooting up heroin. I'm not so sure that, that, that smoking crack cocaine was a big deal. I'm not even so sure that smoking weed was a real temptation. Although I think Peter might have been on something when he cut off that soldier's ear. That was a little radical. I don't know. I'm just saying. I think something was messed up with Peter. So my encouragement for you this morning is this, because the enemy will put into your thinking that you are the only one that's being tempted with this. That there's nobody else in the world, it's just you, and, and you are so awful and so terrible and, and so unredeemable because there's nobody else. Well, I have news for you this morning. There's nothing that you have ever been tempted with but what somebody in this world has been tempted with. So where do those sources of temptation come from? Basically, our flesh the world, and Satan. To try to distinguish between those three, the flesh is just basically the, the, the pleasurable, sensual, personal things that we just get tempted with. Then there is the world. And you say, but you know, I'm, I read my Bible and I have devotions and and I sing and I worship and, I, and there's nothing in the world that, that tempts me. I don't have any. The world doesn't have a hold on me. Every day of our life, we are tempted by the world. And if you don't think that is true, if you have ever read a newspaper, looked at the Sunday advertisements, the fillers, if you've ever watched a commercial, you will have heard that people tell you that if you have bad credit or no credit, come on in, because we can get you a loan. If you really want this, we have this program, No Interest Down, for four years. If you buy enough, we'll extend it to five years. Because what they know is there's a high majority of people who never make the monthly payments and never pay down on it, and when it comes due, it's just they're already paying twice as what they would have if they bought it in the first place. You've heard the commercial that one-day-only sale. Some of you went to that one, didn't you? <laughs> one day only. The only day in the universe that you will take your last breath on, the only day you can buy this is today. I guarantee you, if you wait till tomorrow and offer them cash, 
they'll give you the same deal that they were going to give you today, which is the only day of the year you get this sale. And then you may have a car that seems to be a clunker, but if you push it in, pull it in, bring it in in parts in big hefty black bags, <laughs> we'll put you in a car. And those are just a few of the things that you and I are exposed to every day. And, and you see, it's not what we think about. It's not in the details of sex and drugs and alcohol. But we're going to learn in a few moments, you and I focus on details. God focuses on categories. So let's, let's go just a little bit further with this, that all sin is common to man. And when we think that it doesn't apply to us, let me ask you this. Have you ever been tempted to do things yourself? I don't need church. I don't need small group. I don't need to be here on Sundays unless I feel like it. I can handle this God thing by myself. I can pray when I feel like it, read the Word when I feel like it, but, but, but I don't. And, and you see, that's a temptation that we give into when God never planned for you and I to walk this journey by ourselves. He knows we cannot do it by ourselves. But we are still sitting here today thinking, ah, I can handle this by myself. Not a big deal. Temptation. Have you ever thought of the temptation of taking the easy way out? Yeah, Barbara and I have been married for four, almost 46 years next month. Our kids are raised. Our grandkids are on the way. We just are empty nesters. There's really nothing else going on. And so I think I'll just go a different way, the easy way. Have you ever had a temptation of not believing it until you see it? When I see God heal somebody, then I will believe he is the healer that we sing about this morning. When I see the miraculous check in the mail, then I'll believe that God is my provider and I will start giving back to him. That's what belongs to him in the first place. See, that's dangerous ground because that's where we begin to test God. That's where we put God to the test and say, God, I'm not going to do anything until you show me what you can do. And, and it doesn't work that way. But see, these are temptations. These are temptations that we have. Our ability to withstand temptation has a lot to do with our confidence in God. When we know God is able, God is willing, and God is faithful, it really helps us. To not, it helps us to resist that temptation. Then I want you to notice that temptation 
always have an attraction. There's always something there. It could be the candy in the basket. It could be the gal walking down the mall. It could be that ad that you saw on television yesterday. It could be anything, but, but all temptation has an attraction. In 1 John, here are some words that are given to us to help us frame this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Here are the three categories and every temptation that you have or will ever face will come under one of those three categories. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. See, we get confused because even though we're married, we got this cute guy in the workplace named Willie. And I, we're a little flirtatious with Willie because Willie is cute and unattached, and shows me attention. And so kind of giving some attention to Willie. And then we realize, you know, that's really not the right thing to do because <clears throat> we're married. So we stop flirting with Willie. And then Billy comes along. And there's Billy. Or there's Bobby. Or there's Brett or whoever, whoever. The point I'm making is this. The details may change. The categories remain the same. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We often focus on details, and we forget the categories. And that's what we get confused about when we're praying about temptation and trying to overcome temptation and dealing with temptation is we're praying to God about, oh, God, don't let me flirt with Willie anymore. When we should be saying, God, I'm praying against the lust of the flesh. I'm praying, God, you will help me overcome the lust of the flesh. Or the temptation may not even come in a, any kind of a sexual connotation, but it could be the boat. It could be the car. It could be the house. It could be a gazillion other things that we are tempted and it's really not the boat or the house or the guns or the fishing rods or the golf clubs or whatever. Do you understand the list is so exhaustive we can't, I don't even want to mention things? But I have to point out this. It's not about those details. It's about the lust of the eye. 
things that I, I see it. I got to have it. I see it. I got to have it. It's the newest. It's the latest. It's the greatest. It's the coolest. I'll be the hippest if I have it. It's, I've got to have it because I saw it yesterday and I've got to have it. Three categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Satan will change the details, but God focuses on the categories. The next thing that I want to share with you is temptation can affect our future, our family, and our faith. Can have a destroying effect on our future, our family, and our faith. Because here's the thing, we can't escape temptation, but we can escape stepping into it. Now you have heard people, and again, it's just semantics, it's just, it's just a, a word that expresses, but you've heard people say, well, you know, they were doing so good, and this one day they fell into temptation. We don't fall into anything. You don't fall into temptation. You step into it. One step at a time. It's not like you're going along and you've got this glorious um, concept of God and heaven and you're just, you've got this protection. The Psalm 91 bubble is all around you. And then the next minute you go, and you fall in temptation. It doesn't happen that way. We step into it. And let me give to you the process that takes place, and this is just practical stuff. But I believe it will be some things that will help us because many of us have been fighting this. We've been struggling against it. We've been feeling like that because we even had a bad thought or a lust of the flesh, or a lust of the eye, or the pride of life, because it even happened to us. Now we got to go back, get saved all over again, get forgiven all over again. We got to go back and do first works all over again. There is a process that brings us to this point, because even though temptation is not a sin, giving into it can be. And there are some things that you would never be tempted with. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you will not pass judgment on anyone for you to sit there and say, you know, I've just, I, 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 you, you, couldn't, you couldn't tempt me with a drug. You couldn't tempt me with a bottle of beer. You couldn't tempt me with, be careful passing judgment in those areas because we just haven't got to your category yet. See, I was going to, in fact, some of you, let me just, how basic it is, some of you this morning got up and had to deal with temptation when you woke up, put your little head out from under the covers, and saw how cold it was outdoors, trying to decide, do I go to church or not? You were tempted <coughs> to stay home. So how does this look? Temptation involves a process. I was tempted to bring some 
chocolate-covered strawberries in today. <clears throat> and I was going to have them up here with me and just see how long it would take for some of you to say, please, please, just let me have one. And honestly, when it comes to chocolate-covered strawberries, I'm not tempted. You could, you could cover me up with chocolate-covered strawberries, and I wouldn't even take a bite. <clears throat> but put a pack of Milano Geneva cookies in front of me. And if you have any concerns of your hands or limbs, do not try to take those away. I'm hoping that with God's help this morning, I'm able to loosen this up a little bit because the, the significance is we will have it till we die. It may not be in a detail that somebody else is dealing with, but it'll always be in a category. And even if you have been the greatest overcomer and you could sit here and honestly, before God, without being fear of being struck dead, can say, Pastor Don, there is nothing in this world that can tempt me, and I am thankful that I don't fight temptation like other people. Let me tell you about the category of pride of life. So be careful. Be careful. When others stumble, when others step into that temptation, when things are going that somebody has succumbed to or given into, be careful and don't be too quick to say, oh, I'm glad that didn't happen to me because the categories remain the same. So let me very quickly give you this, this process that we go through. First of all, it starts with a thought. That's why Romans 12 to, er, is is so important because it talks to us about be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts with a thought. And thoughts are kind of like birds. A bird, we can't prevent them from flying over our head, but we don't have to let them make a nest in our hair. Somebody never heard that before. It's good. A thought will come to us, and a thought can come in and can go out just as quickly. But when we decide when that thought enters in, and it's like we shut this side off and go, okay, I'm going to dwell on this. So we begin to allow the thought to germinate and to develop. And the thought turns in to an imagination. And boy, do we have some great imaginations. I don't know if anyone in here even attempted, but I can tell you a few weeks ago, there were a lot of people imagining what they were going to do with millions and millions of lotto-winning money. You can believe they laid awake at night and their imagination was just going crazy on what they would do with that money. 
So the thought affects our imagination. The imagination now turns into a desire. I've thought about it. I've imagined it. And now I desire it. And once that desire has been cultivated, it now hits our will. Now we've, we have to start beginning, we have to start to begin to decide. Do I give in? Do I resist? Because once it hits the will, it now becomes a choice. And we all have choices. And wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world of following Jesus, that every time a temptation come our way, God would just pull it away? And, and for some people who read in Corinthians, that's what they think. They think that there, no temptation is taking you but as common a man, but with every temptation, God will make a way of escape. In other words, when every temptation comes, God is just going to pull it out, and you never have to deal with it. Well, no, because God gave us a will. He gave us a mind. He gave us intellect. He gave us motion. He gave us an opportunity to choose. So now it becomes a choice. Once it becomes a choice and I make that choice, now it becomes a consent. I am now consenting to act on the thought that triggered my imagination that created my desire, that influenced my will, and now I make a choice. And after I have made the choice to yield to that temptation, I have just given consent. And once we've given consent, that's when it becomes a sin. It's a process. That's why I said you don't fall into temptation, you step into it. There's a process that goes on. Now, for some people, <clears throat> this is not something that takes days, weeks, or months. This is something that this process can happen just very, very, very fast. But it's a process. And I give that to you because I want to let you know that even though it comes as a thought and there possibly could end as a sin, you have steps that you can counteract that and fight against that and overcome that sin. And we're going to show you how to do that in just a moment. Because there are two lies that Satan wants us to believe. <clears throat> Number one, just once won't hurt. Just one time won't hurt. And yet, you hear the history of the young people that have been on reports that have done the heroin, they've, they've, they've done the shooting up, and, and that's what they've always said. I was at a party, I was at a friend's house, and, and I just wanted to try it one time. And that's all it took. So the enemy will try to sell you a lie that just once won't hurt. And the second lie that he wants us to believe, now that you have ruined your life, you are beyond God's use, 
and you might as well enjoy sinning anyway. Because you've already messed up. You already are reaping the choices that you've made. And certainly, if you're living in this lifestyle or in this mentality or in this frame of reference, if you're living here and you're doing this, then, then you, Satan goes, you're, God can't use you. And that's where we need to, to stop and say, uh-huh. If God can forgive David, he can forgive me. If God can forgive, and Scripture is filled with examples of those who have failed, and God's love and God's mercy, God's grace has been appropriated. But those are the two lies that the enemy wants us to believe. So, okay, <clears throat> Pastor Don, you've told us about temptation, difference between trials, that everything is common to man, that it always has an attraction, that it can affect our family, our faith, and our future. But you haven't told us how to deal with it. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. In the English Revised Version, catch this. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. You can't whip temptation in the flesh. Can I tell you, just as a matter of record, that any time your flesh fights against the enemy, your flesh will always lose. Because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Or another version says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations. Or another version would say for the tearing down of strongholds. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought, thought, thought. Where does temptation begin? With a thought. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. You see, There's an application and there are practical steps that God gives to you for overcoming this thing called temptation. And I remember on, on our uh, Facebook, and, and we've had some things there, and, and the, the caption with Pastor preaching last Sunday was, was we've got to fight against what's destroying us. We've got to battle against what's destroying us. And, and, and I'm focusing, zeroing in on this whole temptation thing, and I'm here to tell you today that God has a way out for you, that God has a walk of victory for you, but it's something that you and I are going to have to apply and are going to have to put into practice, and here it is. Number one, take responsibility. Devil didn't make you do it. Own up to it. You did it. Devil didn't twist your arm. Just own up to it. Fess up. It looked good. I wanted it. I took it. I did it. My bad. <clears throat> Number two, 
Focus on the big picture. It may seem good in the beginning, but look at the big picture of what's going to happen. Think of how many people are affected. Think of your future. Think of what God is wanting you to do. So, So when you stop, you look at the big picture, not just at the detail in front of you. Number three, identify areas of weakness. We all have those areas of weakness. Identify those. And then become accountable. Have an accountability partner. Have somebody that you can trust and have confidence in and and will pray with you and not hear your confession and run and see 50 other people who they can tell. Confidential, private, trusted, and you go to that person and say, here's something that I need to be accountable for, and will you be my accountability partner? And, and that gives, that gives some, some credibility that you just can't, because you can't do it on your own. Then obviously the Word of God, prayer, those are the steps, and those are in your handouts that gives you those steps of overcoming temptation. Because friends, I can tell you, No matter how old we are, how long we live, we will fight and we will face temptation. And it comes in many shapes, sizes, and forms. And it doesn't have to be all of the sickening, perverted, twisted temptations that are out there in the world. It could be things that just cause us to step away from really being who God wants us to be. But here's the thing. Strongholds, imaginations, and thoughts must be cast down and destroyed. That's what Paul spoke of in Corinthians. That's why he gave us that scripture. Destroying strongholds and imaginations and thoughts. They cannot be remodeled, painted, or wallpapered. And that's what we've tried to do. We'll take a temptation and we'll try to remodel it. Or we'll paint over it. Or we'll slap some wallpaper over it and think it's covered up. But it's still there. You can put your fist through the wall in your home and you can put wallpaper over and from a distance and people come in, they, oh, that is beautiful. Wallpaper. But you know behind it, there's a big hole where you ran your fist though. You can cover it up, but you can't destroy it. That's done with the power of God, conviction of the Holy Spirit, and God's love and grace and mercy. I thank you this morning that even though we had a great time in the presence of God and worship time, there may have been some of you, I say this now because I didn't want you to think I was thinking bad of you earlier, but there probably were some of you were tempted to go, man, I can leave and go home right now. We've just been hippie-kaye-yo-kaye with God. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You know, I can go home right now. And you didn't think you were dealing with temptation. 
but thank you. And as, as we minister the word, God gives us that sense. Is it being received? Is it being accepted? Is there a resistance? And I have to tell you, preaching the word of God is a privilege and it's a blessing. And it's so much easier to know that it's being accepted and received and planting the seeds that will grow and help us as we journey together, as we do life together, as we overcome temptation together, we will become victorious. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you today. Although we had to research and read and plan and outline and hand out, this has really been an easy message because it's something that we all face and we all will face until our last day on this earth. But Father, I thank you for my friends today who have listened, who have accepted and digested and and, and they will process this in the day and the weeks to come. I thank you, Father, for those who perhaps this has given, this, is, this has relieved them of this stress and this false notion that the enemy's told them a lie, that because you've stepped into this temptation, there's, there's no use for you anymore. God can't use you. Father, I, we come against that lie, and we thank you for your forgiving and redeeming power and for your grace and love and your mercy. So, Father, I just pray that the words the Holy Spirit has given us this morning will be sealed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I give you thanks for that. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Have a blessed day, folks. God bless you.